invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, we're going to read from verse 10. I spoke uh, last week on the workable element of a seed gene, and I had a thought to carry on with that, and then somehow it just, I just felt I had to, and as things worked out, just let God go the way he was going to go. So we're going to do that in a different way. Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe. Did I give you the wrong one, or am I not getting it up here? Sorry, thank you. Verse 11, the rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall in his own conceit. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Drop down to verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge and the ear of the wise getteth knowledge. Proverbs 25 in verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Let's just have a word of prayer yet. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll bless this word, bless this service, the things that will be said, that will be heard, that will be understood. We invite your Holy Spirit to take the charge now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seats. Psalms chapter 51, if you just go back, very familiar. David is speaking here And he would say in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And then if we just drop down to verse 17, This is David after he's confessing his sin and he comes to the end and he jumps to this and says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And then the last one I will read is in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 32, Isaiah 32, I'm going to read just the first two verses. If you actually take the first verse and the last verse, these are scriptures Brother Branham used in the message, letting off the pressure. He says this, Isaiah 32, verse 1, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. A man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. This is a weary land. Brother Branham would be talking, and, and I, I was really struggling with the direction I was going, but I, as I started to go into this, and I heard him 
saying in the preamble to the congregation. And he's saying, I want to use this. It's an odd text, letting off the pressure. Anytime I come to a meeting, I always pray and try to seek the Lord, not to stand before the congregation, small or great, one or a a million, but to stand here to be seen or heard, but to do something to glorify the Lord and seeing the need of the people. And he says, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but he said, I love God and I love his people. So I want to be like he was. I want my objectives like his. And seeing the day we live in and knowing that this church here has a grand pastor, Brother Neville, said, now I don't say that flattery. He said, he's as fearless as he can be. He's an honorable, holy man. He preaches the Bible. But as he invited him to speak, he said, what would I say to help this congregation? He's a shepherd. He's watching his sheep. He's interested in people. He's interested in you. He's interested in your welfare day or night. He'll go at any time to help you. That's a real servant of God. And he said he, it, it, I want to say, okay, so I'll skip part of this. He says, what could I say then to this congregation? They're probably trained right in everything, but he says, now he gets into the text, but there's a pressure on the people today. It has no limitation or denominational lines. It's no respect of person. It's on the young and the old, the good and the bad. It's on everybody, pressure. So I I wanted to really, this was the thought, I was speaking on the full expression of a seed gene under pressure. But I'm going to just take part of what I was going to do and then deviate. So he would say this, we are living in a neurotic age, nervous tension. If you believe that, say amen. It's the truth. Everybody is racing here and going nowhere, here and there. It's that kind of age. The church is plagued with it. Everywhere is plagued with it. The tabernacle is plagued with it. It's a day of pressure. It gets you in a nervous tension. The wife says something contrary, you fly off, temper. The husband says something, and you pat your foot and tell him to get in the room. And, and he says, now, but I'm nervous. What's the matter? It's tension building up. And, it's ma- and it causes it, the results, it causes us to do things that's wrong, acting out of place. It makes the poor act that way, the middle class, the rich, the wrong. It'll make the pretty good act that way. It'll make the good act that way because it's tension, it's steam. It's building up. Now, my, my thought would have really been to go into the thought of the spirit, the human mind, the, the battleground, that's where we are. And in, in, uh, in the scripture, in Proverbs 18, it would talk about that, how a wounded spirit can't be sustained. You can be sick in your body, but if you're sick in your spirit, that's even worse place to be in. And that's, that's the age we live in. Now, I thought of that, and, and I'm going to just be, I'm going to confess and, and be honest about something here in a moment. But as you see these pressures creeping in, we know there's a squeeze. And before it's ever physical, it's going to be spiritual. 
And when the other night, and I'm thankful how the Lord led on the weekend, on the Friday, but the Saturday, I, I was actually really worn out from the week, and I felt maybe things had happened, and I was still dealing with things, and my nerves were frayed, and by the evening, I just felt I was out of sorts, and I just said, Lord, I need you. And I thought, well, I was going to go to bed early, and, and then we ended up getting up, and, 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 I, and I felt before I could even enter into prayer, I needed to get my spirit clean. And that took a while, and then I was able to really come to a place, but I thought, Lord, help us, help me. And, and this is my thought tonight, that we help each other. So as I reflected on that, and it was Monday, and my wife was home, and I was there, and I was doing things, I came across a service, and it so affected me, and I want to play part of this service tonight. And I, I really couldn't get away from it, and I thought, this helped me, and I pray that it will help you. And it's not something I will do very often. It's to play somebody other than Brother Branham. But I'm going to play somebody other than Brother Branham tonight. And uh, you may not even know the brother. Some of you may know him. But this was at Brother Paul LaFontaine's church. It was just in the last week. And, and the brother is Brother Burley Williams. How many have heard Brother Burley Williams before? Okay, so Brother Burley... We know him, Brother Steve Fulkerson travels with him often into the mission field. He travels with him to, uh, he's from South Carolina, but he goes into Tanzania quite often in other places, and he's been a blessing. But I'm going to play this now from this point on, and I just ask you enter in and just let the Lord minister to you. So Brother Mark, if you can play that, and we're just going to go in, it's going to be it's going to be about 50 minutes long. It'll take us to just after 9, but this will be okay. And it's called The Pressures of the Besieged. Long time friend. Been a good many years. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verse 13 to verse 18. He said, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a city and a few men within it, and there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man and by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembereth that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Amen. You must be seated. I would like to uh, uh, give a title, uh, The Pressures of a Besiege. Uh, the Pressures of a Besiege. Amen. 
Now, the word besiege is a very interesting word, and it got a lot of meanings to it. And one that's interesting to me, well, which we, we know a besiege, it means a place with armed forces in order to capture it by force, to surrender or lay a siege to it. And it also, mem it also means surround with armed forces. It said the army besieged the castle. Then it also means to press with a request. It's, it means that also. So in other words, we can go through different scriptures in the Bible and it gives different examples about a besiege and how things happen. But the pressures, I, I, I want you to catch what I'm trying to minister this morning, it's the pressure what a besiege causes people to do and how it makes them act. And sometimes people don't know how they realize and why they act in a certain way until they can just stop a moment and just stop. Just say, well, hold on a minute. Because when things are happening rapidly in your life, a lot of times we don't think, we just act. We just start moving and, and then coming to conclusions and all kinds of stuff. And, and then a lot of times it's wrong. Now, uh, in the besiege, it's a terrible thing. But I find in the Bible, the children of Israel besieged people, and also the people besieged them. It depends on what happened. And God um, allowed Moses, which we want to turn to Deuteronomy 28, God allowed Moses to write things about a besiege to the children of Israel, and it hasn't happened yet. Because in Deuteronomy, a lot of things that Moses would tell them, they haven't even done it yet, but it's prophecy. Later on, it actually happens. So we're going to see in Deuteronomy how that Moses is going to begin to explain things about what a besieged do. And then later on, they actually start fulfilling those things. Now, one thing about a besiege, when the enemy surrounds a city, he, he, don't, he, he blocks every gate. That's the purpose. He don't want nothing coming in, don't want nothing going out. He blocks every gate. That's the first thing. He don't even throw a weapon. He don't even use a weapon. He, the main thing is to block the gates. So what they'll do, which the def, one definition of that word is a seat, means to sit there. So what the enemy would do to the city, he would just sit there while they're on the inside, and his purpose is for them to run out of resources. He wants them to run out of resources, run out of food, and then it makes his battle easy. Once he knows that they are got no more food, and they don't done everything they can, he just say, all right, guys, let's just go ahead and take it over. And then they're so weak, they can't even fight back. And then in many cases, once they get so weak, they just surrender. Because also in the besiege, it means to press with requests. In other words, the enemy would be on the outside. We have requests. If you just surrender, just surrender, don't fight back. Just come on out to us and we want to be over you. You'll be fine. You see, that's how the enemy is. He does a lot of people like that. See, a lot of people give in to pressure. They get tired. They just say, well, I'm just tired then they just give up and don't fight back no more. That's exactly how the devil works. 
He wants you to get tired. You know, parents sometimes get so tired battling with the children and they give up on the child. Then they let them just go do anything they want to do. Say, I'm just tired. Just go. Just go. Then the devil won. What he done, he had besieged that parent, sat there with pressure, and then they just give up. We don't supposed to give up. There's supposed to be no retreat, no surrender. Can we say amen? But that's what the enemy does. Now, let me just read this. The, the prophet said in the message, letting off the pressure. He said, I thought this of letting off the steam. Everybody is just becoming a neurotic age. Everybody is built up, having got no time. And that builds up to a place that it breaks up things. You know, I hear people always say, it just ain't enough time in the day. I'm sorry, it's still 24 hours in the day. Time is still the same. It's us don't got so busy to it seem like it ain't much time. But that clock's still going to flip around 24 hours. So you can't blame it on time. But he says here, that builds up to a place, it breaks up things. Pressure breaks up things. And those things, you can put any title you want on it. Family, friendship, relationship, homes, churches, it breaks up things. It causes people to have hard feelings. When they snap them off, say things you don't mean to say. That's what pressure does. See, when you don't know how to deal with pressure, you're going to do things you regret. It happens all the time. So you have to learn how to deal with pressure. And I'll tell you, I've been through a life of pressure. And, uh, and I know I can't get away from it. I learn how to deal with it. Because I know who I am. I'm a son of God. And I know it's for a reason. Now, this is me. And I always say this because people got their own idea. But this is me. I don't never ask God why. I just don't. I don't, I don't say why. Why you doing this? Why? I don't do that. Whenever I go through something, I, I just say, what are you trying to show me? I want to catch what he's trying to show me or what he's wanting me to see. That's, that's what I do. Because I, I know it's something he wants me to see. Yeah, because whys can lead up to doubts. And questioning God. That's what it could lead to. And he says, now everybody, he, now he, he said, now everybody is guilty of it. I am guilty. You're all guilty. Now this the prophet saying that we're all guilty. Amen. I asked the church the other day, I said, how many of you ever been used by the devil? Raise your hand. Some of them didn't raise their hand. I said, you were just used by the devil then. <laughs> Because you didn't raise your hand. Amen. Because, you know, and people just don't want, don't want to be honest in these day and time. I just like being honest. Honest is just honest, you know. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he says, everybody is guilty. I'm guilty. You're all guilty. We do things under pressure that we don't otherwise. He said, there's an excess pressure built up today, I believe. Before I go any further, I might say this. I believe it's the enemy coming down and pressing. I believe it's the devil. See, the closer we get to the rapture, it'll be more pressure. It will have to be that way 
because the devil uses these things to bring distractions to keep you from the right attractions. That's, that's what, how the enemy operates. Amen. He want to throw you off focus. He want to throw you off balance. But you know, when it comes to the end of the day, every individual will have to see them things in their own life. It's easy to point out something in somebody else's life, but I think we need to just consider and look at ourselves. Can we say amen? That's just the way it should be. He said, we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Bible said in the last days, the devil would go about like a roaring lion. And if he could, and if he could get you under pressure, hurrying, running over something, you will make decisions that you wouldn't make if you sat down and think it over. Can we say amen? Have you ever had somebody get mad at you when they ask you something and you say, wait a minute. They say, well, why are you taking your time? We need to know now. You need to do something now. You ever have people do you like that? They want to rush you. See, when people try to rush you, it's a good sign, too, that they're unstable in their own life. So now they want to put that pressure on you to make you make a quick, hasty decision about things. Amen. But we, we, we shouldn't do those things, but this is the pressure age that we're in. It could cause those things if we just don't stop for a moment and just think. Now, the pressures of a besiege, we're going to get back to Ecclesiastes in a moment. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm seeing pressure today on so many different levels. In ministries, one thing in ministry, there's battles amongst ministers because somebody done said something about you, you didn't like it, or whatever. The worst thing a minister could ever do is bring that to the pulpit and preach his personal battle to a congregation. It's the worst thing you could ever do. You know, Your pastor, I knew he wouldn't. Well, let me just use myself. I can cause my church to get mad at somebody by the way I preach. And then I could be the person that's wrong. I can say, I can talk to my church, you know, these brothers saying certain, certain things about me and blah, 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 and the congregation goes, It doesn't make no sense. But you really don't know what they said, and you're already getting mad. What they could be saying about me could be true, but I'm projecting it to the congregation, what they're saying about me, but it could be true what they're saying about me. So when somebody tells me, this one said this about me, and this, 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 I say, what did they say? I don't be like, whoa. About you. See, when you get real close to friends and buddies and friendship, you automatically get mad at whoever mad at your friend. But that's not Christianity. I want to know what the facts are. What is the truth? Because sometimes you know, say, well, brother, what are they saying about you? I said, tell me what they said about you. I said, I might not like you then. Just tell me what did they say. And then I might say, well, they said this, 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 this. Did you do it? Well, yeah. I said, well, I feel the same way about you that they feel about you because what you did is wrong. So I like to know 
What is it? But we like to jump to conclusions on things because of the association we have with the person. The word of God don't work that way. The word of God, it fits every situation. It does, it's not prejudice. <laughs> it means exactly what it says. That's why when it comes to the word of God, if you love God, you're going to love God if he says something bad about you. You're still going to love him. A lot of people love the gospel as long as they're hearing things that they want to hear. But when it comes to correction and rebuke, that's when people really get offended. That's when you really find out where their relationship really is with the Lord. God is never wrong. He's always right. Can we say praise the Lord? So the Bible is a prophecy. The Bible is a book of prophecy. That's exactly what it is. And uh, 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 everything is controlled by prophecy. What has already been spoken is being refilled, be fulfilled again. That's why Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. That's why we got all of this word. We got the Bible. We got the message. Everything we need to know, it lies in the Bible. This is our resources. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, it said, It shall come to pass, if thou hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God would set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You know, when people don't understand the nature of God. They, mis they, mis they just can't misunderstand what God is saying. God is not a God that wants to say, I want to bless you and curse you. He just don't throw things out there. God has a reason for everything that he says. For, for instance, uh, you would find even in the book of Deuteronomy, I can't remember what chapter it is. Moses, I think it's chapter 31, somewhere around now. Moses told the children of Israel, all of these years, God had you out here in the wilderness. He said it's to prove you and to try you and to humble you. So God allowed all these incidents. Now, you go back and read that scripture. He said, you remember when the children of Israel said they was hungry? God knew they was going to be hungry because Moses told them he suffered you to be hungry. God let them be hungry just to see how they're going to respond and what they're going to do. God was doing all of the testing. So God let you and me literally go through things so he can see how you're going to respond and how you're going to react to it. That's why I don't think it's strange when something happens. God is testing you and me because he has to do that. Can we say amen? Testing trials is not to build, break us down. It's actually to build us up if you look at it the right way. So he said, blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground, fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. God just giving blessings. And these blessings rely on keeping my commandments. So he let them get hungry, and then he fed them bread and so forth, and fed them manna. God done that for a reason. But if you notice, the key thing, when he gave them the manna, then he gave commandments. You can only pick so much up for this day. And then that's it. Then he said, don't leave none for the next day. He started giving. That's, see, the manna was the food. 
but his word was the commandments, how to go get it, when to go get it, how much to go get it. That's what the test was. It wasn't so much the food, the food, it was his word. That's why the scripture said God was trying to show them man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, all of that was a test, and it's the exact same thing today. God want to see, God ain't worried about the test. God is a God that is not afraid to put his saints in prison. God got no problem putting you in jail, letting you go to jail. He ain't got no problem with that. He's well known for putting believers in some strange places. Because God is not worried about that situation. He have that confidence in that believer, they're going to keep my word. Can we say praise the Lord? He allowed Paul to, I mean, carnal minds. So what kind of God is this? Put people in jail. Let them go to jail. Be such a loving God. Why are you going to let you go to jail? Why are you going to let you get sawed asunder if he's such a loving God? What kind of God is this? Because God is not afraid to put his believers through trials. He could have stopped them from going in the fiery furnace, but he didn't. He let them walk right in it. But he was actually waiting in there for them. So God is not afraid to let you go through trial. Really, it's showing his confidence that he has in you. Joe had no idea that God and the devil was talking to each other, but Job was going through this pain. <laughs> but God was letting the devil know, Do whatever you want, this is a good one here. And Job didn't have a clue. Because if Job would have had a clue, I said, Lord, why in the world are you going to let me go through this and you told the devil I was perfect? God told the devil, Job is perfect. Then, all right, give me some trials. And we say, I want to be perfect. I want to be mature. Trials come with that. Praise the Lord. Let's jump down to verse 52. Because I'm, I'm, you, you will have to read that whole chapter to catch what's going on. But I want to jump to verse 52. Because verse 52, we get into the place when God tells them, when you don't keep my word, this is what I'm going to let the enemy do to you. He's going to let them know if you don't keep my word, the enemy is going to be able to do this to you. Notice he says, now this is what I want you to catch. He said, he shall besiege thee. Excuse me. And all thy gates into the high high and fence wall come down wherein thou trusted now Moses is talking to them but where are the fences where are the gates see the temple wasn't even built yet but God letting them know this is going to come to pass this is what's going to happen to you if you don't keep my word see this is a prophecy now they probably like, what are you talking about, Moses? Fences and walls and gates. What are you talking about? You see, in the Bible, when they build a city, the first thing they build is the walls, not the city. They build the walls because the wall represents the protection that goes around it so that the enemy can't get in. See? 
So he's, this is a prophecy. And he says, he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until the high and fence walls come down. Wherein thou trustest. He's saying wherein thou trusted because long as they know them fences is out there and the enemy is out there, they trusting in the wall. They say, oh, he ain't going to get over that wall. We ain't worrying about him because he got to get over the wall. But you remember Nebuchadnezzar and them thought the exact same thing. They was trusting in their walls, the prophet of God talked about, but the enemy came up under the wall, and that's how he got them. So Moses saying, you trusting in your walls and all this stuff? It's just like America, where she's saying she trusted in her armed forces and all of these things. She's relaxing. Oh, you let Ukraine try to come near us. We, no, all of this is prophecy. Because what's going to happen to America is going to happen just like in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah told them, told the children of Israel, when the king of Babylon come to you, he's don't even try to fight them. It's because your weapons won't work. It ain't going to work. Even though you got good weapons, they won't work because prophecy make them not work. <laughs> so God controls everything. So he let them know, he, he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, throughout all thy land, with the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, he's showing what the enemy is going to do. Notice all thy gates. That means He's going to stand in front of every one of them so they can't get out and nothing can come in. That's the tactic of the enemy. But now, what he's fixing to do now is start talking about the pressures. Because you in the besiege, what pressure is going to make you do? Now, notice right here. It's, now, I want y'all to think about this. Moses talking to people, I know they think he's crazy because it ain't happened yet. But it did happen later on. Look what he's going to say the pressure going to make you do. Verse 53, thou shalt eat the fruit of thy own body, the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, with the Lord thy God has given thee in the siege and in the straightness whereof thy enemy shall distress thee. Now, I'm pretty sure they said, Moses, you you really done lost it. We're going to eat our own children? Come on, Moses. This is prophecy. He said, but this, when the enemy sees you, this is what you're going to end up doing. You see, we understand what happened even when Titus. We understand through history. They did eat one another's children. But these things happened in the Bible times too. So, but that is not even humanly right where somebody will eat their own child. But it happened because in that siege, that pressure got so bad. See, what happened when the enemy was out there, as long as they had some resources, that's all, we all good, everything is fine. But they kept eating, and they kept eating, and they kept eating. You remember, it just happened in the book of Kings. They got to the, the eating the horses, and they started doing everything. When the Syrians had surrounded them, exact same thing that happened. But then when all of the resources start going out, they were starving so bad, and the pressure was so bad, they looked at Junior. Could you imagine the pressure on a parents? Husband and wife talking. We starving. Well, we got these kids here. No, no. 
Time go by. We're starving. Then all of a sudden, which one of these children caused the most problem? <laughs> we'll take that one first. Now, naturally, we won't do that. But pressure can be so bad spiritually, you'll eat your children. You'll start doing it spiritually. Eating one another because of pressure. All right. Let me just keep going. I want you to watch how I make people change. Listen to verse 56. The tender and the delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness, her eye shall be evil towards her husband. What this is talking about, a humble sister, quiet by nature. Y'all ever met people like that? Oh, they're just so sweet and quiet just to be in their presence. But the Bible telling us that delicate, tender sister pressure will make her change too. Sometimes as a pastor, somebody might be like, well, you know that sister done such and such. You'd be like, are we talking about the same sister? Yeah. And you she's so nice. I, I have to disagree. I don't see that. I don't see not. But pressure. Pressure. Huh? Sometimes people be, see, when you don't act right around your children, but you can only act right around adults and church people, when somebody's giving you a compliment, but your children really know how you live, and they be like, oh, that precious brother, he's just such a man of God and gentle and kind, and the family be like, <laughs> mm, we looking at two different people. It's that this sister, this tender sister, will make her look evil at her own husband. Pressure, make her change. Because the devil don't got a seat somewhere in her life and he won't move. Now he's making her break character. I know this ain't a popular sermon this morning. I know you would rather hear the seals. Uh, you would rather hear the trumpets and all of these good things, which is wonderful. But when you ain't got character, that don't mean nothing. <laughs> it don't. What that song you just sang? Religion doesn't work anymore. But revelation does. And character. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Notice. It said her eye shall be evil towards the husband of her bosom. Towards her son. Towards her daughter. Now pressure in a seed cause individuals to attack their own family from within. Listen, verse 57. Toward her young one, 
that cometh out from between her feet toward her children which she shall bear for she shall eat them for want of things secretly in the siege and strictness wherein thy enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. That's what when the devil should put a besiege around you, he'll cause you to go against people, speak, think evil, think bad, and it's all because the results of pressure. That's why you have to take that time and say, wait a minute. See, I'm the type of person, whenever I'm going through something, I stay away from people because I don't want to offend nobody. I go deal with me. <laughs> I have to deal with me. My family, we've been taught very well. When I come home, if something don't went wrong, pressure, when I walk in the door, my wife can just look. When she'll know, she'll just say, nothing. And I just go to the room, change clothes, turn around, walk right back outside. And I can walk around my yard and think. Just think. Man, wow. Don't even say nothing. Go out there. Then come back. Then I, when I get the problem solved, I go back in the house. Hey, hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Because I don't dealt with me. <laughs> but today, you all right? <laughs> Oh, excuse me, sir. But that break a cut. That's what happens. Then start devouring. It's something I say all the time. In this message, and it's come to family life and a lot of things, we're all a bunch of historians. We can always say, you remember you did that? You remember you said that? You remember that? You remember you remember you remember, you remember bringing up history. That goes to show you really didn't forgive. Because when you really forgive something, you're not going to bring it back up. But that besiege, that pressure, can cause all of that. Is that thou would not observe to do all the words of the law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God. You just let them know when the enemy comes around you, besiege you, this is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen. You see, we're in Satan's Eden, surrounded by a wall of Laodicea, and we're living in the midst of it. But we got resources to feed from, to eat from, to keep us strong, to be able to fight. Because the enemy want to keep you and get you to starve. Because once you starve, you ain't, if you ain't studying, fasting, laying in this word of God, I'm here to tell you, you're going to be sticky. You're going to be a fault finder. You're going to be a blamer. And you'll never look at yourself. And the problem literally sometimes is just you and me. Because when you look in the word of God and when you study the word of God, God's going to show you up. He'll show you your bad about you. He'll show you the good about you. That's the God that we have. Can we say amen? Turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I ain't going to be long, Brother Paul. 
this pressure, it just, even when you could do good to someone, pressure can cause them to even go against you. Yet you even done good. If I can remember the scripture, I want to show you something in a moment, but I'll, I'll keep thinking about it as we go. But I want to go to, in Deuteronomy, I mean, 1 Samuel 23, verse 1. Watch this right here. This is the time Saul is chasing David and trying to kill David and all so forth. It said, then they told David, saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Kilau, and they robbed the threshing floors. Saul will come on the scene uh, later. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kalah. Other words, it's not even David fight. But he going down there and help them in Kalah. He asked him, Lord, shall I go help him? He said, Go, go help him. Save him. Save him from the Philistines. And David man said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Kalah? against the armies of the Philistines. And David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered to him, said, Arise, go down to Kalah, for I will deliver the Philistines in thy hands. That same God speaks today. But we can just go to him as we would just listen and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I believe if we be patient enough, he'll speak and he'll direct you and tell you exactly what to do. Verse 5, David said, So David and his men went to Kalah and fought with the Philistine and brought away their cattle, smoked them with the slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Kalah. He said, When it came to pass, when Abiathar, the son of Amalek, fled to David to Kalah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Kalah and Saul said, God had delivered him in my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that has gates and bars. See, Saul knew once David is in there, he can't come out. He got bars around it. Now I got him. But look how a religious evil spirit can talk about saying God did it. Saul got an evil spirit on him. Now he's saying the Lord don't gave me David. See, when you're dealing with religious demons, Religious spirit, they talk to say God said, God said, but yet they're just as wrong as they can be. That's the deceitfulness of this age. And he says here, verse 9. No, I'm sorry. And Saul, verse 8, and Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Kalal to besiege David and his men. See, they're going to besiege again. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. He said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, I like David's attitude. He consulted God first what to do. He should have. Now, if he would have been in that relationship with the Lord like he should have done, he would have done it with Bathsheba. See, he didn't seek the Lord because there was his own personal lust, something he wanted to do. So a lot of times people say they don't seek God when they got something they're already going to do it anyway. They ain't going to seek the Lord. 
but we should seek him in all things. Amen. I can feel my preacher coming on now. Notice what he says here. Verse 10. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kalah to destroy the city for my sake. He said, will the man of Kalah deliver me up in his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant and the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, David, will the man of Kalal deliver me up and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Why? David done saved them. But now they hear Saul is coming. The pressure going to get on them. They say, David, I'm sorry, buddy. You sure did help us out. But there he is, Saul. He hiding right there. Pressure make you turn on the people that even try to help you. And we don't understand. It's a time. I just helped him. What? what? Pressure don't hit them to make them act that way. Can we say praise the Lord? I want to go back to Ecclesiastes now. Chapter 9. A lot of things happening now around the message is a result of pressure. People responding wrong ways because of pressure. Especially when somebody feels like they, when you know, don't kind of touch their pride. They really want to fight back and say things. It shouldn't be that way. Can we say praise the Lord? That's why even, even in family life, you know, a lot of times people tell me, they say, brother, you just preach on family stuff too much, you know. I said, well, what's wrong with that? We're the family of God. What's wrong with that? Because if you got tore up homes, you're going to have a tore up church. Because the strengths of the family is what make the church. That's why you need some, sometimes you got some family struggling, but then they can see a family that's strong and really holding the line that'll influence them. That's a good, that, that's, that's, that's bring a good influence, encourage somebody else. But if we're all tore up, that's a pretty bad situation to be in. Can we say amen? That'll be a situation like two drowning men asking each other for help. And both of them drowning. Help me. It won't work like that. Somebody got to stay above these things, friends. And I believe we as the bride of Jesus Christ don't get caught up into what's going on. We get caught up in the Word say, no, let me look differently. Let me think differently. Let me not get caught up into this. Because it's very easy to do. I don't get caught up into the minister associations of the message today. I don't get caught up with a certain group. I like being independent I like being who I am. I can go preach wherever I want to go preach, wherever I feel led by God's grace. That's what I, if he tell me to go preach for three people, I can still go preach. You know, you got some preacher, they don't really want to preach unless it's a special meeting. 
If it ain't a special meeting, you call them and say, hey, brother, I was wondering what you're doing this weekend. I mean, I can get you to come by and preach for them. Oh, is it a special meeting? Yeah, every church service is a special meeting. Yeah. They let me know there's something in your ministry. You need some dying. You need God to kill you a little bit more. That's right. Just think. In the besiege, they start eating one another. And pressure causes people to do that. Rip each other down. Cutting people. Just say all kind of bad things. All because of pressure. I was talking with Paul. <laughs> you know, people were talking about the Holy Ghost. There are some things that Brother Branham said about the Holy Ghost don't do. And if you really, really want to get so, so, so technical, you say, who got it? Whoa, whoa. He started talking about one place and the message where it's the Holy Ghost and you hear these other people saying things about you and stuff like that. He started talking about if the Holy Ghost is in you, you ain't going to revile back. You ain't going to want to go back at them. But look at me to do that. Somebody say something about it. Oh, I, I'm going to have to say something to get them back. Now, if I want to take the quote, say, well, according to what the prophet said, you ain't got the Holy Ghost. But I don't do that because I know we die daily. We die as we grow. It's correct. But when you look at things a certain way, you want to put somebody in your little circle, in your little ball, and they need to act the way you want them to act. It don't work like that. I want to, I want, I want to be just the way God wants me to be. But the enemy, when he's around them, when he get a sense they don't run out of resources, then they start knocking the gates down. The man that can try to hold the gates but no strength the enemy just pushed the gate and they just fall back with it. And the enemy just walks in in triumph because nobody has no strength to fight because all of the resources are gone. But if that city, when the enemy is out there, if that city we had a secret resources in the inside where they never went out, the enemy could be out there thinking, it's time to go get them now but didn't know it was a secret supplier in there. When that enemy hit that gate, when he bounced in there, guess what? Strong warriors are right there waiting on him and wear him out. And the enemy like, retreat! I thought they were starving. I thought they were dead, man. They, they still strong. They must got something in there. It's a hidden resource. I'm here to tell you that's what the bride has. She has a resource, the word of God, that never runs out. And I want to show you where it comes from. In Ecclesiastes 9, this wisdom, chapter 9, verse 13, what we read, this wisdom have I seen under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, few men within it, and there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. What this is talking about, when the enemy besieged the city, then he started building bulwarks. You know, if you look up weaponry in the Bible times, they had big old weapon seed that throw stones, that'll knock gates down. They had big old logs where they could bump the gates. So the enemy just be sitting out there building his, building all, getting all his weapons, his battlements set up, and they can look over the fence. What are they doing? 
that this time you really didn't want the watchman telling you the truth. The watchman say, they're building some big old great thing. It, from the looks of it, guys, it, it throw rocks. They'd be like, oh, pulling their confidence down. Then they say, watchman, what of the night? He gets up there. It's some kind of spiky thing they got, and it looked like it can really rip through a gate. That's what I'm seeing, guys. Ah, oh, but the watchman has got to report the truth. Got to report the truth. That's what they do. He sets around the city, built great bulwarks against it, getting all his weapons set up because he said, this city is done. I'm going to take over the inhabitants, the city and all. But why this, this case, while they was doing that, it said, verse 15, now there was found in it a poor wise man. He, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Whoever this wise man was, how he delivered the city, he didn't do it by weapons. So in other words, it was some words he was able to tell them to help them overcome what their enemy was trying to do. This man here. What I'm reading to you actually is this end time gospel. Let's look at it again. Verse 14. It said there was a little city. I would like to put in there there was a little bride. And it said a few men within it. Fear not little flock, a few in the bride. And there came a great king in, against it in this Satan's Eden and besieged it with Facebook, besieged it with the internet, besieged it with TikTok, besieged it with Instagram. Because that's where the besieged results in all of these things what the devil done built around all of us to bring us into a besiege. Are you with me? But notice, Verse 15, there was found in it a poor, wise man from the hills of Kentucky. Poor, wise man. Way in, born in the backside of Kentucky in a log cabin. Wise. But where did his wisdom come from? Listen to the scripture. By his wisdom delivered the bride. Not his wisdom, but the wisdom God gave him to deliver the bride. God sent this message. This is our resources. Regardless how much the devil don't created things or cause things, if you keep feasting upon this word of God, that besiege is not going to make you devour somebody. It's going to make you devour the enemy, not your brother, not your sister. But listen to what he says. He said, but no man remember that poor man's message anymore. The very message God sent to deliver the bride, now you got people want to go against the message, but God sent it for deliverance. They don't want to consult the message no more. Don't want nobody to talk about the prophet no more. Don't nobody want to say the thing. Oh, we, don't, we just need the Bible now. We don't need the message no more. That's a lie. We need both of them. We need it all. This message come so God's bride can be come out of this besiege. Not let it influence you, but you overcome it. This is the pattern of the day. And it ain't the fact we run out of resources. We got all resources. 
That's what the prophet, God told the prophet, stir up the food. We got everything we need laying here, but you got to eat it. Then so you can maintain strength for every war and every battle that you faced. Verse 16, then said our wisdom is better than strength, nevertheless. The poor man's message is despised. The message to many is despised. To many. They despise this message. But yet at the time when they were believing it, it was causing them to overcome. But now because of personal things in their life they want to do, and the word is contrary, so now they got to despise the message to justify their own personal desire. And his words are not heard. <laughs> Isn't it a shame? They don't got that bad today. Now, I don't have to say Brother Branham said every time I quote something. I don't have to do that. If you study the message, you'll know it. Amen. Hopefully you're able to understand it. I realized when I was listening to it, I had headphones on and I could hear it quite clearly. But if you need to, it's on the internet. But I, let's have the musicians come. We're going to close the service. But I, I was looking at it from the point of view of a day of pressure. The pressure is not going to decrease but neither will our resource decrease. And we have a source of strength. And I want to encourage you, whatever, whatever you're facing, if you're feeding on the Word of God, if you're feeding on this message, you have more than enough for whatever the enemy is going to throw your way. I don't know if you could see the picture, but it's happening all around us. And I'll say this, listen, we've all stumbled, we've all fallen, Quite often it's because we don't feed enough. Why do we react the way do we act? Because we're not in fellowship enough. It's like I could do what Brother Burley said. How many has ever been used of the devil? See, some of you didn't answer. You're already used. You're <laughs> oh, stand together. Well, I just felt that on my heart. I, I just... Uh, Sometimes some things are said from a different perspective, and I, I pray that it, it, it would help. It would be a blessing. You know, sometimes we can just preach and have a burden. Other times we can teach and show wisdom, and other times evangelize and bring conviction. Sometimes we need to just stop and think. Where are we at? Because it's not going to get any easier, but I'll say this. I find there's a place, there's a source of strength that we have. Amen. Well, the battle is the Lord's. Let's sing that.